for to do Silema Thonsi, a trip to her homeland and the, and the everyday experience of taking the bus, reaffirmed her roots and gave renewed clarity to her experiences living in Norway, involving blackness, white privilege, personal healing, and how joy as an act of resistance can resonate with others in the diaspora. You Better Say Our Names is a series of recordings and a trilogy of personal stories from thinkers and artists who talk about personal healing and love in digital times, about archetypal narratives of Africa, Africans and the African diaspora, and about knowledge that is often ignored in a Euro-patriarchal world. In this, the first episode, we presented to Silemathons' story, Healing Continued, from which we found the inspiration for the title of the series, and discussed its significance with Rob Averin from Rafiki Arts Initiatives, which houses IPE. Abshin. Sawon. Molo. Dumela. Trobela. Nda. Loichan. Hello. Hey, son. Borebavi. And hello. My name is Duduzile Libazisa Sfisomatuns. What I'm about to write or say has probably been written or said about before. My artistic work is centralized in empowering and attempting to heal black women and girls. I am but one of many black women who have written and spoken about their processes and experiences who have investigated and continue to be the voice of many. I am not the voice of healing. I am not the voice of black women, but I am the voice of my own healing and my own blackness. And if my voice can echo others' voices, then my voice is part of the many voices of healing. The existential feeling of being seen of greeting and acknowledging each other's existence, especially in these times of existential crisis, is the most human thing we can do for one another. As a continued thread of Ubuntu, Ubuntu Ngabantu, you are human because of others. I was recently on a long distance bus in South Africa. In the middle of the trip, the bus stopped and unhopped the ticket examiner, who zealously began by greeting everyone in all the 11 official languages of South Africa, and proceeded to introduce himself. He then checked the tickets as he chatted and laughed away. Before his departure, he stood by the door and asked everyone on board to check on the person next to them, and that we need to ask our neighbors how they're doing, especially in these times, and reminded everyone to be kinder. I found myself smiling and feeling seen and cared for by a complete stranger. The culture I have missed and loved was being reintroduced to me all over again. In Norway, the culture of minding your own can be cold, metaphorically and literally isolating and a common factor of the cause of mental health issues. As humans, we are communal beings. Diaspora. As a South African, forming and meeting part of the diaspora 
The constant attempt of being part of the healing of a black diaspora removes the agency of just being able to be, especially as a black woman in the world. Relating to the archives of many others while desperately holding on to your own archive not only distorts your reality, but also confronts the ancestral imprint within that is fighting to exist in its entirety. Living in a homogenous Western society has been like fighting quicksand, and the only way to survive is to pull yourself out with everything you have. Living in such a society has been said to create different mental health issues amongst immigrants. In my life, living in Africa, I have not suffered from mental health issues before, until the last few years living in Norway, where I have since suffered two episodes of depression and anxiety, and during the second one, my white male mental health practitioner stopped treating me. He blamed it on his inability to fully understand my struggles as a black woman in the world, my ability to function, and my strength. All of this bleeds into medical bias, which is an urgent conversation that needs to be had. More so, the damaging image of the strong black woman. I am not strong. I am a marshmallow. I hurt, I cry, I bleed. I am weak, soft, and vulnerable. Some of the mental health issues have been induced from a feeling of longing for home, otherness, dehumanization, and a homogenous society that does not value us or our opinions and what we can bring to the table and the inability to exist in our entirety. And I... Well, I am an opinionated black woman. We, as the black diaspora, bring different injections of knowledge, ways of seeing, and practices that could and does contribute to evolving any society and further developing a civilization. Now, the more important question during a pandemic is how do we foster healing? Black women. Black women have been a pandemic and continue to be a pandemic. If it is not for the pop culture that feels entitled to our bodies and talents, it's the killing of black women and the socio-economic inequalities we face in our everyday environments. The enormity of our existence as black women is almost beyond reach only accessible through our own lived experiences, meaning moving and creating safe spaces of being and community in a world that does not consider us deserving, worthy, equal, or human. The continuous investment in our healing process and a traumatic archive that has continuously fueled Black women to outlet on each other. In turn, obstructing our longing for a space of healing. The strong black woman is an armor we wear. Like the many masks to shield ourselves against racism, sexism, discrimination, colorism, exoticism, and so much more. I refuse to internalize 
the projection of not being enough. And I aggressively send it back to the sender because there is an inferiority complex at play. Enough. I am enough. Enough is enough. We carry the weight on our shoulders while you get to relax. I'ma wear my crown. I'ma claim the space. Move aside. The time is near. Our voices won't be silenced. It's time for us to be elevated, not backing down. You can't hold us down. We've lost enough. You better feel our power, depleted but not defeated. You better know my name. You better say our names. You better taste our pain. Break the system. Redefine blackness. Protect black women. The adultification of black girls is something we have to consciously choose to fight against and allow black girls to just be girls. Black girls are perceived as promiscuous and hypersexual, less sensitive to pain, not needing protection, having to protect black men even when they fail us. Black women are treated like recyclable waste, not worthy of nurturing, gentleness, or care. Healing. Returning to lost rituals or creating new rituals is a form of healing. Healing can be made through music, dance, movement, voice, earth, wind, fire, and water. My mother used to say... Water is medicine and medicine is healing. Find your way towards your path of healing and divine purpose. Insert by Malidoma Patrice Somme in his book, Ritual, Power, Healing and Community. Ritual is called for because our soul communicates things to us that the body translates as need or want or absence. So we enter into a ritual in order to respond to the call of the soul. Our souls aspire towards growth, that is, towards remembering all that we have forgotten due to our trip to this place, the earth. We need ritual because it is an expression of the fact that we recognize the difficulty of creating a different and special kind of community. A community that doesn't have a ritual cannot exist. Second insert by Dineo Ndlazi, TEDx Cape Town, Four Lessons from My Journey. In African spirituality, we believe that by connecting to our ancestors, we become part of creation. Through this connection, we find healing. Healing is a journey, but it is also hard work. We fail to listen to the call of our soul because we are deeply wounded. Because we don't only carry our own wounds, we carry the inherited wounds of our ancestors. We have to be willing to want to heal and be part of the healing process. We don't only live our experiences, we are also the co-creators of our experiences. Life doesn't just happen to us. We need to take responsibility for our healing because we cannot be defined by our past or present, but by our future. By taking responsibility for your healing, you heal yourself, despite what needs to be done structurally or systematically. 
We cannot wait on our growth and peace from a system that is deliberately designed to not consider us or our processes. The healing process is a long and sometimes complicated process that varies according to our archive and trauma. Mine comes with the harsh colonial imprint of being born in apartheid and being a black woman. And I refuse to be defined by that. We have to create boundaries of how we allow others to treat us. Creating boundaries is central to our healing process because if there are no boundaries to who we are, we cannot give ourselves space to heal or space to exist in the world. We as black people need to learn our history. I cannot stress that enough. Our history was destroyed to remove any claim of identity. And if your identity is removed, the very ground that you're on is destabilized. So in order to heal and live in all of your divine glory, we need to know on whose backs we were carried on. In order to be able to embrace the generational archival umbilical love. As humans, we are a resilient species and we need to offer ourselves self-compassion and kindness, which is part of something I forcefully practice. Joy as an act of resistance, especially as black people where our joy is a threat, acting in intention, striving for peace and happiness, and while resting in gratitude. I think the end is beautiful. Joy as an act of resistance. Yes, so to Ducile, uh, she has this powerful voice and uh, presence. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, she's calling for plurality. And she is very precise when she says that she's talking on her own behalf and she's talking from her own experiences. And that can resonate with other experiences as well, but always calling from the personal. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it's something that I certainly resonate with deeply. Um, the, you know, the desire to resist um the tendency that uh that so many folks outside of the black community um tend to the black community as though there's only one but you know mm. um tend to you know put upon um individuals who are speaking about their experiences of blackness that that is somehow now um that each of these individuals are now speaking from a place of knowledge of the entirety of the black community and all its plurality and all its difference um, and that there is a singular experience of blackness as such mm. so we very much appreciated Buzile, um pointing out over and over that that this is about you know what she is saying is speaking into life her own experience her own experience of blackness her own experience of healing her own um, life in her body as a black woman mm. and um, in 
and how that relates to the world around her. And that's such an important distinction to bring yes. into this space when we're talking about healing and we're talking about um, blackness and we're talking about what that can mean in, in all times, but certainly in times of pandemic and uprising mm. and all of this stuff. So. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> about this... Uh, uh, blackness and uh, talking uh, from her own experience um, she also mentions at some point the acknowledgement of being seen mm. and for that I remember uh, I saw Tutu Siles uh, performing at an event with Karma Club um, a few years ago I think and she was talking on, on how the performativity of blackness also impacts on the way you are perceived by others and uh, how you speak how uh, you use the language like how do you move in space mm. like how 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 much space you're taking you know like all these ways of uh, also perform that or perceive that performing uh, blackness mm-hmm. and that also how plays a role when interacting with another person and how I guess at large scale, how society either rejects that or uh, accepts it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and uh, just link it to the the point that we were talking about representation. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, how we cannot just create a single narrative and create one what you said, one story about blackness, like there are black communities and it's always in plural mm-hmm. and like one story and one narrative can uh, resonate with others, but definitely not just as one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there are so many, so, so many experiences of blackness and, and it's of course interesting to think through as Zile is doing in this piece, um, the experience of blackness in a predominantly white space or mm-hmm. a predominantly non-black space at the very least um, versus being in a predominantly black space that she's familiar with, that she comes from, what it means um, to be able to be in that space, to, to feel seen and acknowledged, um, the story of the of the ticket examiner um, mm-hmm. uh, on the bus and, and just how different an experience that can be and is from you know quite the opposite in in terms of her experience with mental health practitioner who ended treatment um, yes on the basis of understanding her to be you know strong enough um and uh and that he could not understand her experience as a black woman in the world um which i found extremely enraging to read about as it you know, it, again, these echoes that echoes a lot of my ex- my own experiences, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to not see oneself in a story like that, um, mm-hmm. and uh, even though there are such enormous differences between different parts of the diaspora and um, experiences in diaspora and all of this stuff. Um, I really was thinking about that when she says, um, 
when she's talking about the archives of relating to the archives of, of many others while desperately holding on to your own archive and how that can distort your reality mm-hmm. um, when you're in relationship with folks um, from other parts of the diaspora and that that can, you know, confronts the ancestral imprint within. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's quite, you know, interesting for me as well, coming from a, you know, North American Turtle Island experience of blackness, divorced from, forcibly divorced from ancestral ties mm-hmm. um, versus somebody who is coming from the African continental context and has ties to that ancestry. You know, these are the kinds of differences that we're navigating in diaspora mm-hmm. that are so, um, you know, they're fascinating and they're also difficult and painful to, to sort through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, it's also about the structures. Mm. Like you're, you're touching uh, upon the point of um, healthcare system, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking that when, when I say that uh, how the society either rejects you or accepts you, mm-hmm. uh, it's also like not just the individuals, but the system that we create uh, to live within society, right? So the healthcare system is also a way of um, how, like, where is it? Where is the care? Uh, mm-hmm. Who is it for? Um, and we can see that also, like, all these biases in the medical system, uh, that it's always based on uh, cis, white, male models, right? That's like, right. if we think also on uh, anti-conception methods mm-hmm. or the lack of research for, a, you know, what is with uterus, like, if we think about the system, uh, the medical system in general, like how, who is it really for? And whose uh, experiences and bodies mm-hmm. are not uh, represented there. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And not just not represented, but deliberately ignored or deliberately exactly. refused care. Um, you know, it's it's a really anti-blackness specifically in, mm. in the medical system is extremely violent and extremely dangerous and life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that extends from mental health all the way to black birthing people interacting with the medical system. Um, so I really appreciated um, the vulnerability and you know ultimately care with which Ludzilis uh, shares the story, um, her story of of her interaction with the with the mental health system in Norway mm-hmm. and. Um, it is so urgent, as she says, that we have that Absolutely. conversation, and and you know that links to this this image of the and she links it to the image of the strong black woman, and and that mm-hmm. that isn't is as well so so dangerous and so damaging. Um, you know there isn't a whole lot of research around that in the Norwegian context, but there's quite a bit of it in in the U.S. American context in terms of bias, um, quite openly shown by. Met- um, medical practitioners who do not believe that a black person is in pain, especially black women or those who are read as black women. Um, and uh, that that kills people. That quite actively yes. kills people. It is a murderous sentiment to um, to overlay this this myth upon all folks who are read as black women. Um, 
and I resonated so much with uh, what Dudele says. I'm not strong. I'm a marshmallow. I hurt. I cry. I bleed. I am weak, soft, and vulnerable. And this is a state of being that that Black women and those who are red as them, um, we don't get to occupy that space very often at all. Um, oftentimes only in the most sort of intimate parts of our lives. Mm. Um, and, and those spaces can be quite fleeting and quite um, tenuous, really. And it's so difficult to not be able to step into your full self and occupy the fullness mm. of yourself, the, the soft parts, the um, vulnerable parts, the sad parts, the you know, parts that need care and need to be held and need to be, you know, mm, listened to, but especially by, you know, quote unquote, healing systems like the medical system. Um, yeah, it's so resonates so deeply. And I don't think I know any black women or black non-binary folks who are interacting with any any of these systems you don't feel the same, that, that it's it's quite a tortuous existence sometimes to not be able to show up um, as your full self and trust that you're not going to be harmed mm. as a result of, of um, showing up in your fullness. So Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think it's some kind of a silent a violence. Absolutely. And yeah. of course, systemic violence, uh, that mm. it's uh, what you're mentioning and how... I'm just thinking of uh, people that have the privilege of not thinking about that on mm -hmm. the everyday mm -hmm. and that uh, don't have to think about uh, what kind of identities you need to hide in certain spaces. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you can't hide those identities and you Absolutely. just have to go through it and uh, just, uh, yeah, this kind of silent violence mm -hmm. that it's very rooted in the system and different sure. systems. Yeah, and I mean, you know, medical systems, I don't think any of them are perfect and, and they are always challenging to to manage, I think, for everyone mm. at different times. But ultimately, it's the difference between, you know, a white person being able to go to the doctor and maybe they have a negative experience and they're able to fairly confidently say that that practitioner is just not doing very well that day or mm. hasn't been trained well or whatever. Whereas a black person, especially a black woman or non-binary person, enters into that system, has that negative experience, and leaves wondering, you know, was I treated in this way because I am black and interacting with the system, or was I refused treatment because of that, um, or not even having to wonder because it's quite clearly stated, as yes. it was in the case of Duduzile's interaction with the mental health system. Um, and, you know, when you're trying to heal when you're experiencing illness in one way or another and you are trying to heal and then you also have to navigate that piece, it's such an enormous obstruction to the healing process. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, the, the stress that that adds to, to our bodies um, is immense. It's truly immense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, I mean, what Tudosile was pointing out was this... Um I don't know, it's just right there, the white privilege of this yeah. medical practitioner mm -hmm. that just decided to stop treating her yeah. instead of, you know, engaging on what his practice is really about. Absolutely. And uh, providing uh, care and providing uh, 
what she needed at the time. Mm-hmm. So he just decided to step back. Yeah. And that's and that's allowed. Mm-hmm. That that's I think mm-hmm. even a, another layer. And that happens like not only in the medical uh, system, but also if I think because it was also with her. To, if we think uh, a few months uh, ago that uh, this art criticism uh, came across uh, her practice, uh, and it was also very rooted in white privilege Absolutely. and the lack of understanding and mm. and uh, and I think art criticism in Norway it's something that uh, um, lacks of these other ways of understanding and actually engaging uh, with uh, other practices and other backgrounds mm-hmm. and just being aware of other realities absolutely and it's it's certainly a superiority complex mm. that is also overlapping with the inferiority complex that Duzile mentions yes um there's this deep feeling of being threatened of a particular way of being and a way of life and an understanding of art and artistic success and mm-hmm. so on being actively threatened by um, other ways of of knowing Mm. Um, by by black experience, by indigenous experience, um, and uh, this this reaction um, to to that threat is is so virulent and so vicious ultimately, but so obviously rooted in white supremacy and um, and all of the inferiority complexes that come along with mm. that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the internalized uh, projection of not being enough, mm. and how like I, I see, or as I understand it, I see those uh, two paths. Uh, that one is on one side, you have this uh, lack of accountability mm. when you deal with these uh, processes, uh, but at the same time, you cannot wait until accountability it's put in practice. Mm-hmm. And then what I see that Rusile is trying to. Uh, move on is like how she can start her own healing process right, right? Yes. and how you can uh, have that this individual process and how it to add a uh, self-compassion and be kind with yourself mm. and you know use this joy as a radical tool and as an act of resistance as Absolutely. she put it in in words yes yes um and that links to to what she says about black people needing to learn our own histories, mm. our own you know practices, our own rituals, um, you know, in the soulmate quote that that she uses, um, and also approaching things from a space of deep kindness and, as she says, generational archival umbilical love. Um, it's such a beautiful phrase, and to rest in gratitude as well. Um, you know, these are the things that are so difficult to access when you're interacting with oppressive mm-hmm. systems and when you uh, maybe are, are cut off from community or cut off from ancestral um, praxis or, um, you know, living in, in predominantly white environments and so on. But it's so vital to, to mm-hmm. hold on to those pieces and to, in community, um, form connections that, that can give that umbilical love and that can that can help you and give you the space and and sort of soft landing to rest in, into gratitude and kindness and joy and all of these things so yeah yes i think that's a very nice way to finalize mm-hmm. this episode so. yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Laura. thank you <laughs>